0: You may not feel like it all the time, but you have a tremendous power to change the world. In every interaction you have, you have the power to deliver light as well as darkness. What you choose to deliver to another empowers them to deliver a smaller dose of the same to even more people. It starts with you though. Fill yourself up with light daily because the world needs more of it. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to Yelling at Birds. I'm Matt, ready and willing to share a little bit of myself here with you on this beautiful day. It's been gorgeous today. It's been awesome. Really, really good. You know, we've uh, walked through a little bit of humidity as of late. We're rewarded with a couple of days here, at least, of kind of some good weather. So, but, we're here. I am here. Part 6 of my 7 Deadly series. Almost there. One more to go. We're looking at the 7 deadly sins, or more, what the sins represent in our everyday lives, how they are manifested in my life, and how they can stand in the way of you finding peace in yours. As I've been doing these, a few realizations pop up. Uh, First is that they each deserve a little more time than I'm giving them. They're interesting in how how they have been represented and used throughout history, religion by religion, and and how some of the seemingly harmless things that we do every day appear to be driven by the capital vices. When you take religion out of it, the seven deadly sins become more like warning signs cautioning us of what to steer clear of and the damage we can do to our life experiences should we allow even one of the sins to have too much freedom to roam in our lives. Secondly, and maybe why they have the most potential to cause so much damage, is that they all seem to consist of some spiritually and physically unhealthy or obsessive desire of something that is beyond our control, something outside of ourselves. They involve us putting too much importance on the actions or activities of another while losing sight of all the good we have within us. At the very least, they represent our unwillingness to accept what is. In harming another person, in coveting what another has, in wishing for the failure of another, in unnecessarily withholding from another, we, have, we are further damaging ourselves. Of all the sins, envy may take you the most outside of yourself while causing you to experience the worst or the most sorrow or hatred from situations completely outside of your control. It's defined as a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. Aristotle described it simply as pain at the sight of another's good fortune. And I kind of like thinking of it that way too. The selfishness of envy uh, it may may only be matched by the selfishness of greed, while greed speaks more towards prioritizing your wants over someone else's needs. Envy speaks both to both viewing the successes or possessions of another as some kind of slight against you, and wishing misfortune on another. Now there's. Um, there's nothing wrong with, the, with using the success of another as a motivator. As in, you would like to be at, at a place in your life as they are in theirs, and using that to drive you to do better for yourself. Uh, we do this all the time, and sometimes too much. You know, there's, we idolize success, certain types of success here and there, but uh, in healthy doses like anything else, you know, that can be used as a motivator. You know, you would like to have that house that you see that other person has. You would like to have um, that job or that, maybe that bank account. You know, they're they're material things, but I mean, they still can be something that you can get motivated um, to take action in your life, to get, to put you in the situation where you can have those things. But the truly envious wish more for the successful, successful others to be brought down to their level and below. And... To not do the work it takes to gain that success they desire. Really, it makes everything about you. One of the more freeing realizations you can have as you move through life and continue to grow is that not everything is about you. Surprise, surprise. That other people live lives as vibrant to them as your life is to you. And even interactions with you may not have a whole lot to do with you either. Even if someone's directly talking to you, that you know their tone, their way they carry themselves, some some of the words they use might have more to do with them and their day and their energy than it has to do to, has to do with you as well. Envy aligns with greed and the thought that there isn't enough out there. That if your neighbor is successful, there will there will somehow not be as much success for you to have. That life is about some kind of winning. That the worth of a life can be changed depending on how many possessions one has or how much money you've been able to stow away before the game is over. And if when you find yourself making the transition from this life to whatever's next and you happen to have just a little bit more or you've done a little bit better than your neighbor, your life would have been just a little more worth it. That your soul will carry from this world to the next a little more style. But the powerful and the penniless decay just the same. No matter how much you covet what another has, or how much mis- misfortune falls upon those you envy, your clock keeps ticking just the same. I was trying to put a point together about Disney and their use of color, but I kind of fell off track because it seems to be—it seems to me that envy is the thing of Disney villains, whether it's uh, they're represented literally with a green-eyed monster or a v- green-eyed villain, green smoke or a green-colored beverage. Envy seems to be the staple of many of our many of our beloved Disney adapted fairy tales. Between, uh, de- de- between, let's see, Scar's envy of Mufasa's power, or the evil—I'm going to butcher this—the Evil Queen, Grimhilda's envy of Snow White's beauty, and Ursula's envy of um, Ariel's voice and her youth, among other villainous uh, villains' de- envious desires. The tales were basically trying to tell us something. That, you know, the the most evil representations in those stories are driven by, well, they're driven by, the, by at least one of the seven deadly sins, and envy seems to be one of them, one of the primary drivers. So, I guess, what's the harm? Um, as long as it doesn't lead to action, you can envy somebody all you want. Uh, thoughts are just thoughts, right? So what if what if you're tossing wish, wish after wish into the universe that uh, that one person loses what they what they have so you can at least for a moment feel a tiny bit better about yourself. What's wrong with being jealous of another person's success? Well, first of all, it again, it really has nothing to do with you. The the other person's success. I think I think most of the torture we put ourselves through the complaining, the judging, the fear, the hating, are all over people and events that really are out of our control, and again have nothing to do with us in the first place. When you when you let envy creep in and take up residence in your heart and mind, you're only reinforcing your own thoughts about what you lack. You are you're deciding to value arbitrary possessions and occurrences based on um, and basing your short term happiness or short term grief on these things that you're valuing that happen to be outside of your immediate control. And you're just reinforcing your belief that you are not worthy or capable of attaining the achievements of those people whom you envy. Because whatever whatever you envy about someone, should it be something that you can realistically achieve, all you do is put in the all you have to do is put in the work to achieve that that thing that you're envying. Um, if it's not something you can realistically achieve, like being jealous of maybe some physical characteristic that's impossible for you like physically, scientifically to attain, then all the envy in the world can't really change anything and you're just torturing yourself. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's kind of like the, um, it's a kind of a cute picture to look at sometimes, but it's basically a should I worry, Flo- it's a flowchart. It asks if there's a problem in your life, and base, um, and if the answer is no, or I don't know, it suggests that you shouldn't worry. It makes sense. If the answer is yes, that there is a problem in your life, then it moves you on to the next question. That asks, asks, is there a T in that? Um. Moves you on to the next next question that asks that uh, if you can, it asks you if you can do something about it. If the answer is no, or I don't know, then it suggests that you don't worry. If the answer is yes, however, that you can do something about it, then it suggests that you shouldn't fucking worry. That's life. And that's life, and that's why envy is just basically pointless self-torture, and does nothing but sit in the way of you finding peace and true happiness. Really, if you can if you're envious about somebody, let's say you you wish your day away and that misfortune does fall on them, and now they have less than you. Uh, it happens. There's ups and downs in life. Um, what does that really do for you? It doesn't change anything. It just changes this short-term little feeling that you're having, which can change day-by-day, day. whether or not you feel comfortable with who you are and what you have, what you've been able to do with your life, or whether you don't. Um, a much longer-term plan is getting to know yourself, really. Ever, and getting to know more people. I think that when we are envious of someone, we we probably have more of an idealized view of them in our in our heads, and we probably haven't talked to them because we probably, if we did, then we might learn, you know, all the sacrifice that it took to get whatever their whatever whatever you're envious about. And if it's somebody that just didn't have, didn't have to do a thing in their lives and they have this big house and that's what you're envious about and it just was given to them, then I don't know. There's really nothing you can do about that. But you can kind of chalk that up as, to, as another thing of, well, that's not going to happen to me, so what do I need to do to get there? I think uh, a lot of the times the, like the possession or the thing that we're, that we're envying is something you probably don't want enough. You don't want it hard enough anyway, because if you did, you'd be doing something about it. You wouldn't be sitting there just mad that you don't have it. Um, so that's that. And I get I get caught up in that too a little bit, and it's and it's hard not to. Uh, every once in a while, you kind of lose focus and you kind of see you as somebody that seems to have it all together and you just kind of wish that you were there. And you might, and that's me, you know, cause I'm living my life every day. I'm not seeing it from the outside and to someone else, I might appear to have it fully together. And somebody might be envious of something I have or where, where I'm at, I don't know. But um, but I get caught, caught up in that too. Doesn't really last long anymore though. So I'm super, like I'm pretty damn happy. Um, where I'm at yeah there's a lot that I'd rather um, there's more that I'd rather have and more that I'd rather be doing but it's really i kind of come to the point in my life where I know that that's all up to me really Um, if I want to have more of a more of a writing career or a speaking career or anything else or if I want to act or if I want to I don't know anything else I just have to do it like I just have to put in the work and do it that's it no one's gonna knock on my just randomly knock on my apartment door, come in and offer me a job, uh, offer me a dream job. Not, not unless I've been willing to sacrifice and put the work in. That's it, that's all I got. I have a, a short break, or the typical break, the one commercial, which reminds me, it's time to redo that a little bit, freshen it up. Um, and then I'll come back with just this last little piece, uh, something I wrote when I couldn't sleep. And I'm like 40% sure that I already said this on the air before, but who knows? I'm just going to do it again anyway. It's all right. You'll live. You'll survive. Um, and if you don't, if you don't want to hear it, you can go ahead and just cut out right now. Um, but if you do cut out, thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, feel free, anytime, message me on Facebook, Yelling at Birds Podcast. Find me on Twitter, Yab Pod, I believe. Um let me know what you're getting out of these ep- out of these episodes. I got one more one more seven deadly coming up then I'm going to move on to the next series and uh, that's what I have. So if I don't see you on the other other end of this break, have a great day. Otherwise, be right back with you. So in case I haven't shared this yet, I wanted to just share something I wrote out when I couldn't sleep the other night. This is probably a couple of weeks ago. By now or a week ago i don't know time is weird but can't sleep part two and i might have there's a chance i've already recorded myself saying this so eh, here it is again if in case i have can't sleep part two i feel like i have gravel in my stomach in a good way it feels solid but movable like my gut feeling is sound yet willing to learn i like this feeling I'm standing on solid ground and willing to continue the slow and steady climb towards truth, willing to stumble, willing to gain nicks, bruises, and cuts to continue the climb. I want to set anchors along the way. Anchors that others can clip onto should they need it, but also I want to leave room on either side should they need to climb a little faster. This is the feeling I want to grab hold of. This is the horse I want to ride. My life has had its many blessings and its many challenges many of the pits and traps along the way were put put there by me and briefly forgotten but i see them now where there once were pitfalls are now lessons i no longer feel like i have an alter or darker self an alter ego or a darker self that i must outwit as bourdain had once said the good and the bad guides the angel and devil on my shoulder Uh, They've become friends as we three ride along, darkness balanced with light. Now to continue.